Hello, I'm Mariette Sneeman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Today's topic is divorce mediation, how it works and why it's a good choice. My guest is Laurie Gravenstein, accredited family mediator from Cape Town. Welcome, Laurie. Hello, Marie. After our conversation, Laurie will give us his three best tips regarding the choice of the mediator, and then it will be fun question time. Laurie, your involvement in family mediation and training is not only a full-time pursuit, but it is a passion. Please tell us about this. Thank you, Marie. I'm working for. Um, 41 years now. Um, I'm a trained lawyer and I started out my career in formal litigation. I worked as a public prosecutor and as a magistrate for 25 years. Thereafter, um, since 2006, I'm involved in the informal dealing with cases. I work as an alternative dispute resolution practitioner as a mediator, mostly in divorce matters. I've dealt with many cases over the years and I've stopped counting how many cases I have dealt with. But I have also trained many mediators um, or people to become family mediators in this industry. Yeah, quite a formidable background. Now, can you tell us exactly how you approach divorce and mediation? Mariette, um, first of all, it's very important to um, understand where the parties are coming from. It's important to explain to the parties what mediation is and what mediation entails. It's necessary for them to tell me why they have chosen mediation as a process and why they choose to deal with their divorce uh, through the process of mediation. I want to know from the parties if it's really necessary to go through with the divorce. It's very important for families and children to stay together. As a mediator, I need to be very sure that the people that I'm assisting has to go through this process of divorce. If it's necessary, I can refer the parties for further counseling and see if we can help them to resolve their problems without going through the divorce process. That's a very humane way of approaching it. Laurie, could you tell us what divorce mediation is? First of all, mediation is an alternative process to litigation. Mediation falls under the umbrella of ADR, which is an acronym for Alternative Dispute Resolution. Mediation is a mechanism to assist the parties to settle their disputes out of court. A mediator sits down with the parties and he helps them to work through their problems, to find solutions to the problems they face, and then assist the parties to draft a settlement agreement 
which will become the court order. So it's not necessary to follow the litigation process in any way. They may issue summons, they may proceed with the litigation process, but mediation can fit in anywhere during the litigation process, even up until the point where the judge is ready to deliver his judgment. The parties can still stop the judge and ask to mediate the matter. The matter will then be postponed and the parties will be given the opportunity to settle their matter on their own terms. Who offers divorce mediation? The mediation industry dealing with family disputes is an organized industry in South Africa. The National Accreditation Board is the governing body that deals with the accreditation and the training of mediators in South Africa. Traditionally, um, lawyers, social workers, and psychologists trained to become family mediators. Since the inception of the court and next mediation rules, the field has been opened in 2014, and any person with a matric qualification can now study and qualify to become an accredited mediator. Family mediators do specialized work. They must know how to mediate, but they must also have knowledge about the family law. So they also train in family law as well as applied psychology for family mediators. The National Accreditation Board of Family Mediators um, has a number of membership organizations under that umbrella. They include FAMAC, which is the Family Mediators Association of the Cape. They include CAFAM, which is the Association for Mediators in KZN. SOM, which is the Membership Organization for Mediators in Gauteng area. And then obviously, Social Justice Foundation Association of Mediators, of which I am a director and member. We have mediators across South Africa who are trained and accredited to assist parties going through their difficulties in terms of family disputes, including divorce matters. If I'm correct, you're also involved in the National Accreditation Board, aren't you? Yes, I am. And I've been involved with this organization for the last decade. I've recently been appointed as the chairperson of NAPFAM. Now, Laurie, what are the principles of divorce mediation? The mediation process is um, based on five important philosophies. The first one is confidentiality. When parties participate in a mediation process, it is important to understand that information shared during the mediation process is confidential. Information gathered during that process will remain in the mediation and it may not be used as evidence 
for or against any of the parties. The mediator can also not be called as a witness to testify for or against any of the parties. Secondly, the mediation process is a voluntary process. Parties can never be forced to participate in mediation. They participate in mediation because they want to solve their own problems with the help of a third party, the mediator. If the parties feel uncomfortable with the mediation process, they may withdraw from the process. The mediator may also withdraw from the mediation process. Thirdly, the mediation process is an empowering process. It gives parties the opportunity to make their own decisions. To compare that to litigation, where a judge or a magistrate makes decisions on behalf of the parties, the parties during mediation can make their own choices and make decisions about their own family. Fourthly, the mediation process is a neutral process. It means that the mediator is an impartial and neutral person who does not take sides for any of the parties. If the parties during the mediation process may feel that the mediator is taking sides, they may bring it to his attention and they can discuss it. The mediator cannot and may not make any decisions on behalf of the parties. The mediator may not make decisions about the facts of the case, about the credibility of the parties, or about the law. The mediator may just guide the parties. And lastly, mediation renders an opportunity for the parties to reach unique solutions. Every family that we deal with as mediators is a unique family with unique children. And based on the unique needs, the parties are able to put a unique settlement agreement together that is custom-made for their family. And that settlement agreement can then be made in order of court to suit the family 100%. Thank you, Laurie. When listening to that, one can hear that there are many advantages, but I'd like you please to spell out the advantages, the benefits of divorce mediation. Mediation renders the family the opportunity to resolve their dispute in an informal environment. The court um, is a formal environment, and it's not always easy for the parties to settle disputes in such a formal environment. It's hostile where they are cross-examined by lawyers and so on. But in mediation, because of the informal nature of the mediation process, the parties can relax and they can discuss the future of their family. The mediation process is available at any time. As we know, court processes can take many, many years before it's finalized. You can find a mediator within a week. You can settle your dispute within a week. And once you have a settlement, the matter can be finalized. The mediator is not as expensive as the costs of litigation. Litigation costs can be very, very expensive and can even ruin a family. 
So the cost of the mediator cannot even be compared to the cost of litigation. Thank you. Now let's talk about different elements addressed during the mediation process and perhaps we can start with the division of assets. The division of assets is one of the aspects that is dealt with during the mediation process. The parties can decide themselves who's getting what and how much of what is available as opposed to litigation where someone else will make those decisions. Where parties are married in community of property, the general rule is that the parties share equally in what they have and what they have gathered over the years. Where the parties are married out of community of property, with or without the accrual system, during mediation, they can still decide. It's not necessary to stick to the original agreement entered into between the parties when they signed their anti-natural contract. It's up to the parties completely to decide how they will share in the assets. So mediation really offers much more freedom than litigation. Absolutely. The outcome is based on what the parties want and what they need in the circumstances. And then regarding spousal maintenance? Spousal maintenance must be dealt with in divorce matters, as spouses cannot go back to court after the divorce has been finalized. There are three kinds of spousal maintenance. The first one is known as rehabilitative maintenance. This is where one of the spouses, after the divorce, is paid an amount agreed to by the parties for a certain period. It could be six months or 12 months, 24 or 36 months, to help that party to get onto his or her feet again after the divorce. The second kind of spousal maintenance is known as permanent maintenance. This is usually given to people um, who are too old to find a job to look after themselves after the finalization of the divorce matter. Then thirdly, the option of nominal maintenance, where a nominal amount, such as a rent per year or per month, is granted, where it is not sure whether a person will need maintenance or not. In those cases, um, the party who needs maintenance after the divorce can then go back to court and just apply for an increase of the amount of one rand to the amount that he or she needs. What does nominal mean in this context? Nominal means that the option is kept open for the parties to approach the court later on. If the parties did not deal with the aspect or did not keep the option open to claim maintenance, then they cannot go back to court later on. But because they have chosen nominal maintenance and kept the option open, they can still go back to court after the divorce and then open the matter to bring an application for um, the amount needed. I see. Thank you. And Laurie, what happens when minor children are involved? 
when minor children are involved, it's important to understand that the parties must decide how their parental responsibilities and rights will be divided between them. Married parents both qualify for full parental responsibilities and rights. Parental responsibilities and rights include the right and the responsibility to take care of the child, to have regular contact with the child, to maintain the child, and to remain as the guardian of the child. When parties enter into divorce mediation, they are given the opportunity to decide between themselves who will be the, the caregiver of the child. In many cases, parties decide that one parent will be the primary caregiver. In other words, the children will spend most of the time with the one parent, and the other parent will stay in contact. The other parent, who is not the primary caregiver, will have the opportunity to spend time with the children normally alternative weekends and alternative school holidays. But this is not the only kind of care. Care can be divided between the parents. This is known as shared residency. If the parents are able and they live close to one another, they can share their parental duties and responsibilities with regards to care. The children can live with the one parent for a week and the other week with the other parent, and they will rotate in between. When the children are not with a parent, the other parent normally has contact. Maintenance is also part of this exercise where the parties decide for themselves what the children need. If the children stay with one parent most of the time, then the other parent will make a contribution towards the maintenance or the cost of the children at the primary caregiver's house. And how about parenting plans? A parenting plan is an agreement between the biological parents of the child. A parenting plan is a creation of our new Children's Act. A parenting plan gives the parties, the parents, the opportunity to decide how they will be dealing with their children in future. Parenting plans deal with parental responsibilities and rights. Once again, the care, contact, maintenance and guardianship. It's a document which allows the parents to take care of immediate needs. It's a document that, that can be changed. It's a living document. As their circumstances change, they can agree to change their parenting plan. Previously, when we only had settlement agreements between parties who went through a divorce, they had to go back to court every time they wanted to change their arrangements with regards to children. But with a parenting plan, it's possible for the parents to sit down with the mediator and to discuss and agree on their new terms in respect of dealing with their children. Parenting plans can be made an order of court, or it can be registered with the Office of the Family Advocate. It's really a user-friendly document, and the parties get the opportunity 
to cater for their own needs. So it's very flexible, isn't it? Because during the time of divorce, the parents can draw up the parenting plan along with the mediator, and then later they can go back and change it. Absolutely. A very important aspect here is to keep in mind, in terms of Section 10 of the Children's Act, that the voice of the children must be heard. So if the mediator is not a psychologist or a social worker, maybe a lawyer, the mediator will either hear the voice of the child himself or herself or get the help of a suitably qualified person to sit down with the children to hear what their needs and requirements are. This will then be discussed with the parents and the children also have a say in their own future and how parental responsibilities and rights will be exercised about them and around them. And we're still talking about children that are not yet 18 years of age. So even though they are young, like you say, their voice will be heard. Yes, young children, depending on their age and stage of maturity, their voices can be heard. But qualified people can listen to the voice of the child from a very young age. Attachment theories can also be applied here and professional people will be able to tell the voice of the child even if the child and when the child is not able to voice himself or herself. Thank you, Laurie. Now, where does one find a divorce mediator? The best place to find a divorce mediator is to make use of one of the membership organizations of the NAPFAM family, the National Accreditation Board of Family Mediators. In Cape Town, um, FAMAC is one of those organizations in Johannesburg, Pretoria area. SOM is one of those. And in KZN, KwaZulu-Natal, CAFAM is a membership organization. The Social Justice Foundation Association of Mediators has qualified and accredited mediators throughout South Africa. At this point in time, the Social Justice Foundation Association of Mediators is the largest body of accredited mediators throughout South Africa. And there are mediators even in remote areas of the country. I think it's the easiest if I attach the link of the Social Justice Foundation's website to this podcast. Yes, you can find that at www.socialjustice.org.za. The telephone number there is 021-300-6309. And there's a cell phone number 0638 Double zero three nine seven five. Laurie, if a couple choose divorce mediation, how do they prepare for the first session? Your divorce uh, mediator is a qualified person and accredited. They have been trained to make use of questionnaires. So the mediator will make a questionnaire available to the parties to get the basic information from them.
the mediator will then also arrange sometimes for a pre-mediation session. That is what we do at the Social Justice Foundation, is to have a pre-session with the parties to answer their questions about mediation and how mediation works. If the, the parties need any further information, they can just ask the mediator. Since this is an informal process, the mediator will be able to assist them. Do most mediators work in person and online? During COVID, we have really learned as mediators to take our business online. Although it's still best to sit with the parties in the same room, it's also possible to assist the parties in conflict to mediate online. Exercises such as the voice of the child is unfortunately very, very difficult, and that must be done in person. That makes sense. Laurie, where can listeners find your contact details and more information about your work? We have websites available, www.socialjustice.co.za. The foundation can be found under www.socialjustice.org.za. The office number is 021-300-6309. A cell phone number is available, 064-800-3975. Thank you. Now we've come to your three tips regarding the choice of a mediator. It is very important for the parties to gather information about their mediator. First of all, a mediator should be qualified and have expertise in the field of mediation which the parties require. If it's a family dispute, it's important that the mediator must be an accredited family mediator. Um, accreditation is also a requirement. Make sure that the mediator is trained in the aspects of the need that you have. If maintenance will be mediated as part of the divorce, then make sure that the mediator is also qualified in that area. Laurie, can one simply ask the mediator these questions or will you see it on, on their website or how will one find this out? The membership organizations have information about the training of mediators. Most uh, membership organizations have a list of trained and accredited mediators and some of them have information about the expertise of the mediators. There's no reason why the clients should not ask the mediator about their experience. Make sure that your mediator has experience and will be able to assist you 
as this is of great importance. Yes, you are entrusting them with your future, aren't you? Absolutely. So they will guide you. If you mediate, you do not have to go to court and you will be able to save money. If you have a good relationship with your mediator, your mediator will be available to assist you on short notice. Thank you, Laurie. Now, it's time for your fun question. Are you ready? Let me try. <laughs> a little bird told me that you sometimes play the role of a stoepfotograaf, or loosely translated, a photographer sitting on a veranda. If you could at this moment be sitting on any stoop, where would it be? That will definitely be in the Western Cape, where I have a good view over the mountains, not necessarily the seas. I enjoy sunrise from where I sit on my stoop. Um, I see the most beautiful colors in the morning. Sometimes there are no clouds, sometimes there are clouds, and a beautiful display of colors. Thank you, Laurie, for clarifying this very complicated subject and for pointing out what its benefits are and for giving us contact details so we know how to set about it if, if it is a service we need. Thank you, Mariette, for the opportunity. You're mostly welcome. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. I'd really appreciate it if you'd rate Calm, Clear and Helpful where you download your podcasts. If you'd like a more fulfilling relationship with your beloved, if you wish parenting could be easier, or if you're interested in improving your emotional well-being, you're welcome to visit my website, marietsneeman.co.za, for free articles and podcast episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, and the music is by Mark Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.